My guest today is Kevin Brown. Kevin is a motivational speaker, a best-selling author, and a brand and culture expert with 30-plus year career in franchise development. Kevin joins me to talk about his creation, The Hero Effect, which brings to life the stories of ordinary individuals who are making extraordinary differences in their community. Let's get right into it. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right, Kevin Brown, welcome to the show, bud. And I'm so glad to see you face to face while Zoom face to face. And it's scary that I said that because it's become so much of a new norm here. But the last time um, I saw you, you spoke at the firm and then uh, we ran the same race at Disney a couple of years ago, right? Actually, right before the pandemic, that was. Mm-hmm. And then there was a little break there. And uh, so it's so great seeing you. And thank you for being on the show today. Likewise, man. It's great to see you. Congratulations on the show. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I think we're going to jump right in here. And I guess the first question I want to ask you is, did you ever think that you would become a motivational speaker slash speaker? And what brought you to this path? Uh, First of all, no, it was never, (laughs) uh, it was never, it was never on my radar. I, I'm an introvert by nature, which is odd for a sales guy anyway. Yep. But the the idea of being on stage was so completely off my radar that that I was blindsided by it. I was perfectly content behind the scenes. I have put shows together, produced shows, done all of the behind the scenes stuff. And I was content being there. And a, a mentor of mine pushed me on stage back in 2002 in front of about a thousand people. And from that day till now, my life has never been the same. Something clicked, something connected, and it started pulling me along. So it is truly not anything that I chose. It chose me for sure. You know, that's interesting. And you talk about being an introvert and did it like, do you still feel you're the same now today, 20 plus years later, or do you... You know, how does that feel? Because there's a lot of people that we talked out here, entrepreneurs, advisors that probably are similar. I think I'm a little similar too. like I won't walk into a room and just start mingling. But if I know people, then I'm comfortable like you love speaking. But that wasn't I didn't think that was my calling. So how does it how is it today? Is you still feel you're like that today? Yeah, I'm, I'm still very much an introvert, but I will say, you know, when you get enough reps, when you get enough practice, there's nothing that replaces stage time. Yep. And when you're truly in flow and connected to the gifts that you've been given, I think that changes the dynamic of it. With that said, I still get extraordinarily nervous and yep. I, I, it used to really bother me. And I went to the smartest person I know, my wife. There you go. And I said, babe, when is this going to go away? When am I going to be comfortable enough that I'm not nervous? And she said, you better hope it never happens. Yes. And, and I, I said, why? And she said, because as long as you're nervous, it means it's about the people in that room and not about the guy on the stage. That's right. And, and I she agree. Said, she said, once your ego takes over, Paul, she said, dude, you might as well go find something else to do. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, it's a great statement because, uh, when that gets in the way of people, it does affect their business in lots of different ways. And I think they put that guard up. And so it's interesting, you know, my, at Barnum, our vision is to impact as many lives as possible. 
obviously that's what you're doing, but mm-hmm. you coned it a different way, calling it the hero effect. And what you're teaching is the hero effect. In fact, um, you wrote a book. I mean, you started in 2002, but you wrote the book, the hero effect in 2017. So why the hero effect? How'd you get that? And give me, give me some color on that. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because 2002 to 2017, that's, uh, you know, that's the overnight success that everybody says. Yes. Right. They want to know, wow, wow. You, you know, this thing's been a rocket ship. I mean, literally since 2017, we've done 900 events. Wow. What they don't see is that build from 2002 when I still was in corporate America. I was one of two non-family execs in a family business that we grew to a couple of billion dollars. And I was really content. I'm a ninth grade dropout. I never made it to college. My special needs son, my son with autism was the first in my family to go to college. And so that that journey from 2002 to 2017 was pretty remarkable. And all of the doors opened up and things started to happen. The hero effect really revealed itself to me. I actually shared it inside of our organization back in 2008. It was called the hero equation back then. And today there's maybe 10% of that original content still in there because the message keeps revealing itself to me. And with every change in the environment, the business landscape, the marketplace, the pandemic, all of the headwinds continues to to refine that message and reveal different things about it. And, And so the context of it continues to change. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about our work is they they go, oh, I, I don't need a, a team full of heroes. I don't need people that are here to save the day. And the hero effect isn't about saving the day. It's about serving today. It's about showing up and doing everyday things with big intentions. And so a lot of people shy away from this idea of being a hero. In fact, they miscategorize it all the time. They, they define heroes as ordinary people who do extraordinary things. And the truth is heroes are extraordinary people who choose not to be ordinary. I don't, I don't think anybody was put here to do ordinary things. And I so agree. this journey of, of revelation and understanding and revealing more of this message has been quite extraordinary for me. Well, it's interesting. So when you let's talk about the journey a little bit. So I'm sure that you weren't just, you know, you kid about being an overnight success 15 years, but take us through some of the ups and downs. Was there ever a time there that you're like, Hey, the family business is, you know, a good option and maybe I'll bail or was it, you know, how did you handle that as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it was scary. It was scary. I, again, being a ninth grade dropout, I was, I was in a career situation because this family had, had adopted me into their own. And it really secured our future. And you know, Lisa gave up her career to take care of our son and to be an amazing hero and advocate for, for him. And so sole breadwinner, um, no education, no credentials, and had a great opportunity. But because of that opportunity, you know, I always say now leads to next. If we're a good steward of right now, if we're a good steward of this little circle called now, that's when the next opportunity comes. And so many people focus on the next opportunity that they miss now. And so I committed to now. I committed to that moment and to that family and to that opportunity. And everything was what has been an outcropping from there. When I left that organization at the end of 2016 and retired, it was bittersweet. Uh, I didn't want to go. I was the heir apparent to the marketing side of that organization. And in fact, a, a year or so after I left, they came back to me and, and said, hey, will you come back? 
as our CMO, we're working a deal with Blackstone and we want you to be part of it. And I seriously considered it. It was uh, it was very tempting. But again, smartest person I know, my wife, Lisa, put it into perspective. She said, honey, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're on the path that you didn't choose, but it chose you. And so I turned down the opportunity. And of course, the family, they're still my biggest fans. The franchisees are my biggest fans. And, you know, it's just it's been a really special thing. But I had to get down in the trenches and figure out where do I find some self-confidence to stand on stage? Who am I to stand on stage and talk to some of the finest financial advisors on the planet, some of the finest leaders on the planet, some of the best human beings on the planet? Who am I to do that. And I had to really work through that. And I had to dig deep and find a level of confidence that said, wait a minute, you went from being homeless. And I have been homeless more than once. Wow. You went from being homeless to, you know, a high school dropout to no college training, all of the things that you've gone through. Let's just recount what your resume looks like. It just is a little unconventional. And I had a lot of people around me and I had a lot of people supporting me. And gratefully, I have some some stage skills and some presence that I was able to begin to polish and hone and and to grow. And, you know, again, here we are 900 events later, and I still don't believe it's true. Yeah. And that's what, you know, it, when you my dad used to say, whenever you hit a peak, the only thing left is a valley. Right. So you you're just stacking, as I use all the time, you're just stacking one good day on top of the next. And then you wake up 15 years later and you have a real business and you have real issues along the way. Can you make the comment the now one again, that saying that you just said, say that one more time for me. Yeah, absolutely. Now always leads to next. Yeah. So and it's, as, and it's been my experience and you've experienced this, too, as you're building an organization, as you're building people. Yep. So many times, especially now, they're focused on what's next yep. instead of what's now. And we do that personally, too. Yeah. We're out here building a business, striving, going full speed, and we forget about the customer at home. Correct. And, right. and, and it's the reason I asked you to say that again is I teach something about being present. I like the way you're saying it better. And for all of you out there, advisors, entrepreneurs, stop for a second and hear this because I think back to as just a college athlete playing at some of the best stadiums and being so focused on what I'm doing, I missed all the surrounding stuff around me. And so I try super hard to, you know, be present when I can, or now leads to next and don't miss the stuff around. Cause it's all part of, as you said, the journey. And I think people don't, don't realize that sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's real easy to get caught up. And uh, in fact, recently I uh, stumbled across an old journal of mine and I've been journaling for gosh, probably 30 years. I had a mentor who had a rule and it was don't come in my office without a piece of paper and a pen. And that was kind of the beginning of my journaling career way back when I was a young leader. And and so I have all these journals of all the things he taught me and he passed years ago. And but I think about him often and he's a big part of the hero effect. He's he's a big part of what I talk about. And he used to say things to me that didn't make much sense to me back then, but they make a lot of sense to me now. And he said something. I found this in this journal and he he's and it's part of our new project. We've got a new project called Today is Your Legacy. And it's based Love on the it. line that he gave me. And the line was this, are you living the way you want to be remembered? And I came across that line the other day and I just had to stop for a minute. And I started meditating on that. And I started thinking about that. 
Are you living the way you want to be remembered? And I started thinking about this whole idea of legacy and people wait until they die and then somebody else defines their legacy. But the truth is legacy isn't about dying. It's about how we're living. And today is our legacy. What we do today is our legacy. And so I turned that on its head a little bit and I said, are you leading the way you want to be remembered? Are you, are you the example that you want to be? Are you being generous with your gifts and are you helping others discover theirs? You know, and so it just led down this whole path and it's part of a new project that we're really excited about. But this whole idea of living in the present, it's the hardest thing to do. The other thing my mentor used to say to me, and this is really important for high achievers. So I know that everybody listening is a high achiever. They've got big goals, but your big goal is somebody else's baseline. There is always another level. Yes. And the minute we stop, you know, there is no staying the same. You're either moving forward or you're sliding backwards. And the minute we stop, you said peak. Once we get to what we believe is the peak, the pinnacle, the top, that's when somebody will come and clean our clock because we get complacent. And so I start going through all these things that my mentor taught me. The other thing he taught me was don't climb to rock bottom. And I had no idea what that meant until a couple of years ago. And I was at the top of my professional career. I was at the top of my game, probably one of the most 10 book speakers on the planet. Meanwhile, my health wasn't good. My personal life wasn't where I wanted it to be. I had climbed all the way to rock bottom. And that's when I had to step back and start to reassess. And I think that's a really important part of leadership in today's world is taking care of self and knowing that we can't give what we don't have. Yeah. And if, if you're not, you know, at Barnum, we always teach, if you're not a complete person, it's very hard. And, you know, like you said, I find that health is sometimes for entrepreneurs, the first thing that slips. And it's literally the most important thing, because that's how you show up differently than other people. So let's stay on that for a minute. You know, a lot of people talk about their health, and I'm a big proponent on that. And, you know, I've had a morning routine my whole life. And and every year, different things on it and it's getting longer and longer, but it works for me. I haven't nailed the night one yet, but I got the morning one down. So I'd love to hear from you. Like you're going down this path and it's affecting you. It's weighing on you. You're crushing it in your business, but you're like, this is slipping before you get to rock bottom. You make the move. What did you do? And what does it look like today? Yeah. Well, the first thing I had to do is get real honest with myself. And I had to confront some things. You know, it's an interesting thing. And you know this part of my story. I, I w- went through some garbage when I was a kid, 13 to 16. Yep. Um, my, my life was turned upside down. And as I look back now, that kid has always been there. That 13-year-old broken kid that went through abuse and some other things. That kid has always been inside of me. He's part of who I am. But I buried him for a long time. And when you're in striver mode and you're building a life, you're building a family, you're building a career, you're trying to get out of the depths of of despair that you had been in, you suppress that. And I have a really good friend of mine. He's a behavioral psychologist, and he's helped me a lot in dealing with a lot of this. And he said, let me let me tell you something. He said, whatever you don't deal with will eventually deal with you. And it was a really powerful statement, not just personally, but professionally. You think about organizationally, those things that we turn a blind eye to, those things we don't address, those things that we don't go fix, they will eventually deal with the organization. They will eventually come to get us. And the same is true in our personal life. 
yes. those things, those flaws, those frailties, those fears, all of those things, they will come back to deal with us. And so I had to get really honest and open with myself, with my family, with my friends, the people around me about what was going on with me. And I had to be willing to ask for help. The and best thing. I, did, I did that. I, you know, I, I have physical coaches. I have, you know, all of these people around me that help me in business. Why would it not be okay to have somebody help Come me on. with the, with the mental part of things and the, the emotional, the spiritual, all of those things. And so I, I really went to work on that. And it was a really a process of discovering who I am, who I really am at my core and stop living this imposter syndrome life and stop thinking that you have to have all the answers, which is the greatest mistake leaders make. Yes. Leaders don't, leaders don't have to have all the answers. They just have to ask really good questions. I agree. You know, the smartest person in the room is the one who invites the smartest people into the room and then asks them questions. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and, and listen, you know, as a CEO, I judge other CEOs by the talent they have around them, not by their talent, but yes. it's by the talent. And then you got to think about what you said earlier about the impact they're making on, are they making those people better and getting them to get to their vision? And that's how everybody wins. So I agree with you 300%. Well, it, it's, it's the same conversation that we have with a lot of people who say, you know, there's a labor shortage. We can't find people to work. And, and, and I'm not suggesting that there isn't a labor shortage, but I also think there's a leadership shortage. I agree. I think there's a shortage of leaders who are willing to be open, to be honest, to confront the realities of the world that we live in, to cast a different vision, even if they don't understand the work model and how it's working today. We have to get really honest because trust has eroded in the business world, especially from a leadership standpoint, because we're disconnected. We have a we have a remote workforce. We have a hybrid workforce. And we have to, as leaders, figure out how to make sure that the culture doesn't get destroyed in the process. I agree. And, and, you know, one thing that to piggyback what you just said, the one thing that I try to teach is everyone's a leader. You don't have to be in a leadership position to lead. And I think that if you can instill that in people professionally and personally, right, you're in a family, you're a kid, you're a parent, you're a brother, sister, mother, father, whatever, you're, you're in a leadership role and how you show up and lead will affect so many people. And then goes back to what you said earlier about legacy. Yeah. And part of the legacy project, we've got a, a piece in there that, that is actually called leader of one or leader of none. Wow. And self mastery is the tuition we have to pay for the privilege of leading others. Yes. Right. We can't give what we don't have. And if we can't master self, we have no right to no lead anybody else. Wow. This is uh, amazing. So, but finish on the health part. What do you do now? Yeah. So, so I'm like you, my morning routine is pretty solid, but you know, as well as I do, when you're on the road, yes. I mean, I'm on the road 150, 200 days a year. And so it's, I've got a, a great fitness room in my home. I've got the tonal, I've got all the machines, I've got all the stuff. And so yeah. when I'm home, it's really easy. But when you're on the road, that's a different matter entirely. Yeah, and you got to be intentional some, about it. You have some choices when you get to a hotel, let's say it's four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. And you spoke that morning, you know, on the other end of the country and you yeah. get there, you go up, you, you hang up your clothes. And the first thing you want to do is go grab a drink and a bite yes. to eat. Right. And then that glass of wine becomes three glasses of wine. And then let's, well, why don't we just do a bourbon and call it a night? <laughs> and guess what? The fitness center was right around the corner. 
And so I had to change some of those habits. So now when I get to a hotel room, I don't care what time it is. If the fitness center is open, I'm going, even nice. if it's only for a 45 minute walk or, a, or yep. a run on the treadmill, just because traveling in and of itself, when you're in high intensity mode, whether it's work, travel, whatever it is, your body is producing so much adrenaline and adrenaline yep. has a negative effect on the body if you don't release it. You know, you get lactic acid buildup, you get all this stuff that's going on. And so I had to change that. And I always used excuses that, you know, well, I don't, I'm on the road for five days. I don't have room to pack my running shoes and, yep. you know, my workout gear and this and that. Well, guess what? You can go on YouTube. There's millions of hotel room workouts on there. No that you can plug into 20 minutes, high intensity workout in the hotel room, no equipment needed. And yep. so it's like, cut the BS, Kevin, just, just stop, just stop lying to yourself and just, <laughs> just walk your talk. Yeah, you stand on stage and talk about being disciplined. You talk about being commitment committed. Well, why don't you commit to yourself? Which basically what you said earlier, it's funny that you say this, Kevin. So, you know, the late Kobe Bryant had a saying that he said, uh, no negotiating. And he said, if I'm going to get up at four, that's, I can't negotiate. And it's funny, the other day I was in a franchise hotel for the night and I made that rule with myself probably 20 years ago, I work out six days a week, no matter what, where I am. But I was in this hotel and I'm like, ah, this gym's going to be crappy. So I walk downstairs and you have to scan it with your key. So usually that means it's small. And I look and it's like the size of like a 10 foot room. But I walk in, I turn to my right and this, this state of the art, beautiful gym. I was so happy and I would have done it. I was doing it anyway, but you know, and yeah. that's part of my neg no negotiating. Yeah. And it's the same thing you said. You have to be strong for yourself to teach that. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of is uh, people come up to me after every speech and they say, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for telling your story. Uh, you, you know, the things that happened to you as a kid. Thank you for being willing to, to be broken in front of us. Yes. And I think it, it's one of the greatest things that a leader can do. And, and by, just because I stand on stages, it doesn't make me special. It makes, I'm, I'm still human. And we teach others what we need to hear ourselves. And I think part of the trust that's eroded is a lot of leaders aren't willing to be honest with themselves I agree. about what's going on in their life. And they put on this facade. Listen, we were wearing masks long before COVID. We put on these masks of what we want the world to think uh, we yes. are. And it's time to take the masks off and talk I agree. openly and honestly, because here's, here's the thing. Everybody you lead, is dealing with some garbage. No doubt. Everybody you serve is dealing with garbage. And years ago, my wife, Lisa and I, we went to Hawaii and my wife has this uncanny ability to, to pack everything we own and take it on. <laughs> with us. I have one like that too. <laughs> and I, and I love her for that. But I said to her on this particular trip, I said, honey, we're going to Hawaii. It's a long haul. Is there any way we could do this with two suitcases? And she said, absolutely. And I'll never forget, I came home Too far. two days later. <laughs> Paul, I got to tell you, the UPS guy was struggling to get these boxes out of his truck. <laughs> two of the biggest suitcases I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and, my God. Uh, they cost us almost the price of a ticket, I think, to get those out to Hawaii. But I, I think about those big bags. I call it the big bag theory. And I think everybody is dragging around these giant bags. You can't see them, but they're there. They're dragging yeah. around all of their brokenness, all of their hurts, all of their failures, all of their fear and uncertainty. And what they really need is somebody to come along, whether it's an advisor, whether it's a friend, whether it's a spouse, could be a complete stranger. We need people who will come along and help lighten the load because life charges baggage fees too. It's amazing. 
and they are very, very expensive. expensive. I, I, I could, I understand that. And I think, you know, I look at it, what you just said about leadership and, and what I try to teach is be your authentic self. And yes. I think that makes you vulnerable. That makes you who you are. And that's, you can't fake that. And you don't have to think twice about it. And I agree with you 400% on that. So, well, it um, not only makes you vulnerable, but it makes you approachable. Fair. Right. I know that people can walk in your office any day and go, Paul, I need to talk to you, dude. Yes. hundred percent. I've got some stuff. And I think that's the hallmark of a great leader. It's the hallmark of a great human is that you can come into, into my presence. You can come into my space and be a hundred percent you because I'm going to be a hundred percent real with you. Yep. And, I, and I'm going to tell you the truth. So many people tell others what they want to hear instead of what they need to know. No doubt. And it's one of the things I love about you is you're willing to, you're going to tell the real story. You're going to te- tell people what they need to hear. Yes. And you're going to do it in a way with compassion and caring and love so that it's received in the right way. And that's what builds trust. I agree. And I, I and I think it goes both ways. I want people to tell me what I need to hear. Yes. Yes. And I think that um, that's how you build businesses and that's how you build, you know, people that are willing to go to battle every day to grow and impact lives. So right. that means so much to me. And I agree. And it's misled. Can you, can, here's a question though, what you just said, authentic self or being vulnerable or, you know, just being who you are, you know, people hear you say it and you say it all the time in your, in your presentations. Can that be taught? Do you think if people have awareness of it, they can make that change? I, I don't know that it can be taught as much as it can be given permission. Uh, Fair. To do. Yeah, that's a because great way to look at it. Here's the other part of this, though. There's a lot of people that talk about authenticity and all this stuff, but they really do it from a marketing standpoint because it's yeah. a buzzword, right? They 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 want Which to drives me crazy. Oh, it does me too. I, I want to write a book someday about all the stupid buzzwords we say in corporate yep. America because we're really just it's a lot of word salad and we're not really saying anything. Fair. And if you're going to be real, be real. And I don't need to to say authenticity. I don't need to say all those things because I just let it spill out. I let yeah. let people see the raw Kevin Brown, the raw yeah. story, because here's the deal. The reason that's important is because I want them to feel safe. Number one. Number two, I want to give them permission to not be OK. Now, it's OK to not be OK. It's not OK to stay not OK. Yes. Right. But I want to give them permission that you don't have to be perfect. I spent I wasted so much of my life chasing the illusion of perfection. And I would get so irritated, so angry when I didn't achieve it. I I could make one little mistake. And my wife, she says it all the time. She's like, honey, give yourself some grace. You're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Dude, be kind to yourself. Because that anger and that aggression, it would it would just drive me to the point of, you know, self-loathing. Why are you so stupid? How could you have made that mistake? How did yeah. you miss that? Well, and what I'll that t- does, that creates a blockage. That's like trees falling in a river. The river is flowing. Creativity gets cut off. Innovation, critical thinking, strategy, all of that goes out the window because you're stuck on this little bitty mistake you made and it blocks everything else. I agree. It's, it's a, I got a funny story, quick one on that. So my son's probably eight years old at the time, Paulie, and, uh, he's at a basketball camp, you know, for a Saturday morning and there's like 50 kids. So the coach blows the whistle, everybody runs in 
And he says, practice makes, and my son yells, perfect. And the coach looks at him and's like, it doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And Absolutely. he took him on the line, like the, the line, the half court line. And he said, look at this line. Is that perfect? And my son's like, it looks perfect. But he said, <laughs> but it stuck with me because think about the cliche. We always tell practice makes perfect. And it's really not, it's really not true. So, well, almost all of them. And I love that because that's absolutely true. We, we ingrain these habits, we ingrain these beliefs, which is even yes, worse. That And that's right? what it was because that drives so much. I had somebody the other day, they did the thing, same old thing. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how, know how much, much you, you care. 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 I was like, no, yes. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much it will help them. Correct. If you care, that's a bonus. Yes. hundred percent. Right. But what well, they really want is their problem solved. I agree. I agree. And that's, that's how we get there. So talking about that, you know, solving problems. So you write the hero effect and then in 2021, you write, you know, unleash your hero mm -hmm. and talk about the difference. And, and I love the word unleash it because it changes the way you talk about it. So tell me more about that. Yeah. Unleashing your hero was uh, Harper Collins leadership came to us during the pandemic and said, you know, we love the hero effect. We'd love for you to expand it. And so that's what we did. We kind of dug into my story, the, you know, cause you don't always have time in a 60 minute keynote or 75 minute yep. keynote or the first book, the hero effect was basically a transcript of my speech because people kept asking for a book. I didn't know how to write a book. So unleashing your hero forced me to kind of do a deep dive into my past uh, some really destructive things that happened in my life, some decisions that I made that I wasn't proud, I wasn't happy with, and really go back it and, and revisit some of those things and go a little bit deeper with it. And so that became Unleashing Your Hero. And it, it talks about my mentor story. It talks about my mom and dad. I lost my mom when, I, when she was 54 years old. I was 26. And of course, I'm 55 now, and I realize how young she was. That was, sure. You know, at 26, you don't really have that perspective. And, and I was still trying to get my life together and figure out my world. And so, you know, my grandmother died at 53, and my mom at 54. I'm 55 and going, oh, my gosh. And so Unleashing Your Hero really became, and, and I didn't have a great relationship with my mom, but she was my mom nonetheless. And my mom had a, she had a lot of broken in her too. And uh, yeah. she had a lot of addictions and demons and and things that, um that, that made life not very pleasant for her. And, um, right. and, and I got to go revisit some stories about my dad and my dad's one of my greatest heroes, an old Navy guy. Yeah. And, well, um, I'm my so. dad was that, you know, I still have my mom, but my dad's been gone almost 25 years and, and I get that. And, and it makes you reflect back. And, mm -hmm. and I'm sure that writing that and putting it on paper, it was great for you as a process to move past and understand some of the things that happened. Yeah. Oh, it was very cathartic uh, yeah. for sure, just to get it out. And that's what my, my buddy, um, calling my buddy is my therapist. And, <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about that all the time. And, you know, when I first started working with him, it was interesting, Paul, he said to me, he goes, what's your, what's your objective? What do you want to do? And I said, I want to get rid of the demons. And he said, we well, came to the wrong place. And I was <laughs> like, excuse me. I said, what are you getting a buck 75 an hour or something like that? I came to the yeah. place. You know? <laughs> and uh, he said, listen, he said, uh, we're not going to get rid of the demons. We're going to make friends with them. And it just kind of blew me away. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you've been listening to their voice. We're going to get them listening to your voice. It's great. It's great and, advice. Uh, Amazing. 
You know what I mean? Because we all listen yep. to those voices in our head. We listen to what other people have said about us, those opinions, those those opinions we have of ourselves. And our voice is the loudest voice in our life. It's the one we believe the most. Hundred percent. And so uh, that's been a, that's been an interesting journey. Wow, that's amazing. So, well, you mentioned the pandemic, and you know, I remember that night in March when Mindy said we're going to have to close the office, and I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And obviously a lot of bad, but there's been so much good, you know, for our advisors. Now we're national and we're able to do things so different than we did before, but it had to be for someone that's on the stage, it had to be a major change. And, you know, talk about how you handled it and, and what it meant for you in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, first thing I did was freak out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because my, my business manager, the people on my team, they've been telling me, you know, about this pandemic. Kevin, we need to really, I said, what are you talking about? And I said, this thing Same as me. be gone in two weeks. Yep. And I remember as March 12th, I was in Philly. I was two hours from being on stage and for a big bank. You couldn't go. CEO called me in my room and said, yeah. hey, brother, we better shut this down. And I'm like, yep. shut, what, what are you talking about? And he goes, pandemic. I was like, oh. So they send a car for me that I go to the Philly airport and there's nobody there, Paul. Oh, yeah. the, it um, was yeah. like, it was like post nine 11. Yep. And it was, it was scary. I walked into Chickie and Pete's restaurant and all the servers are standing there. I said, are you guys open? And they're like, we think so. Yeah. It's crazy. And I went home and I sat there for, and we'd already done 40 events by March 12th that year. And so I was tired and I thought, well, I could use a break. This will be over in a month. And you know, another month goes by and my business manager by May was saying, Got to figure this out. You need to figure out virtual. Yep. And I said, I can't do virtual. I don't use PowerPoint video. I'm a storyteller. Yep. She says, well, figure it out or become irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that sometimes happens. And those are some of the best things that happen in business. You get that gift to figure it out. So we did, I found a studio partner here in Orlando and we did, uh, we did a hundred events in 2020. Yeah. It's and amazing. it was just, we had to make an adjustment. I will not use the word pivot. Uh, we had to make an adjustment <laughs> and, uh, and do some things that that were scary. Talking yeah. to a, a, a video screen. screen. Yeah, not seeing everybody. Yes. But it was so, here's the thing about the pandemic that I, that I think is extraordinary. It showed us how creative and innovative we can be. Correct. The frustrating part is why does it take a pandemic for us to kick it Fair. here? I agree. I agree. And, uh, and we were using technology like zoom or teams 15% yeah. of the time. Now it's like 95. Yeah. And I mean, think about you and I, we would have had to travel to meet up to do this. So, yeah. well, last question for you. And this is amazing. I, I can't wait to go listen to the tape. I'm going to take like four pages of notes. <laughs> I wish I could write them and ask the questions at the same time, but this is incredible, Kevin. So the last one, what's next, Kevin Brown, like you're crushing it. You're on the top of your game. Yeah. You're a young man. You got your health back and you're uh, what's next. You know, I, I honestly thought I was going to retire. You know, the hero effect. Please don't do it. <laughs> the hero effect has been so good to me, my family, and and hopefully yep. to a lot of people. But this whole, there's there's something else in here. The, the movie Rocky Balboa, he kept talking about the beast that's still in there. That there's yep. something, something inside that still needs to come out. And that's when I ran across my mentors, 
the journals of all the yeah. notes that I'd taken. And so the today is your legacy is what's next and and working on that. But I, I have to tell you, we, we're also moving into a space with organizational assessments. I have a, a great friend of mine. He's a partner and he de- designed probably the greatest uh, personality assessment on the planet. And I've taken wow. them all. I've taken them all. Yeah. And I, I've seen most of them, but probably not like you. Well, you and I probably need to sit down because I, yeah, I, this one I just can't wait. Blew, blew me away. And so we're going to use that in the context of the legacy project to really help organizations create the benchmarks and find the right talent, get them in the right roles, thriving wow. and building. And, you know, I'm a fan of assessments. Uh, my wife and I took assessments uh, years ago, and I think she was an ESTP or something like that, which means she's perfect. <laughs> no, I, I think mine came back as an ASS or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take one with Mindy because she might say, oh, man, this is that's all true. You know, so is that going to be a book, Kevin, or is it yeah, just yeah. going to a book and the main platform? Yeah. Today is your legacy is going to be a book. We're, we're toying with the idea of writing a business fable. And uh, I've got a, a really strong idea about that. So it could be could be wrapped in a, a business parable type thing. So. Well, well, listen, everybody here today, thank you for uh, tuning in. Kevin, I just, uh, you blow me away every time we talk and you take complex things, simplify it, make it manageable for people. And if you haven't read um, The Hero Effect or Unleash the Hero, or if you're running a firm or a business, like I'm telling you, if you get Kevin in front of your people, he's a game changer, guys. And uh, thank you for being on Small Steps, Big Wins. When you opened up with your how you went from 2002 to 2017, like that's what small steps are. Like if you take small steps and you keep doing it and you stay focused, you get big wins. So this will, guys, uh, please share this episode. It's going to be on Spotify, you know, YouTube out there. So go listen and uh, share it with your friends. And Kevin, always a pleasure having you. And I hope to see you soon. Likewise, my friend. I can't wait to see you in person. Same here. Thanks again. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at Small Steps, Big Wins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.